Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome to She Pivots. I'm your host, Emily Tish Sussman. One of my goals in starting this podcast is to highlight voices and stories of women who went through something deeply personal, only to come out of it on the other side better than they could have imagined. After launching She Pivots last year, it's clear it's not a small group. This applies to most women, whether it's a big pivot or even just a tiny pivot. What's clear is there's still a lot of unpacking to do around pivoting. So as we're continuing to build this platform and community through new episodes, I wanted to also bring you more stories, unfiltered and honest. So I'll be sitting down with more women, maybe the occasional man, some of whom have mastered their own pivot. Some are just starting the pivoting journey. Or some just have something to teach us about the deeply personal moments of life. So stay tuned for more of these candid conversations this season. Let's jump right in. Okay, Tori Taylor, political strategist, genius, former executive director of Swing Left, one of the best people you will ever meet in politics. <laughs> thank you for joining this interview in my hotel room. Um, thank you so much. I'm going to use all of those lines as like the opening like bio for my LinkedIn and like maybe my Twitter bio, especially like the best person you'll ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was the best intro I've ever gotten. <laughs> This is part of your illustrious podcasting career. Yeah. You hosted a show that I, I loved and you came up with the title for my political show. Oh, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, how fun. You came up with your political playlist. I mean, because it was like a playlist. It was. Wow. What a clever name. That, it had so many meetings. It was so good. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, I totally forgot that. Does that genius just emanate from you at all times? I like to think so. You brought it to politics. Yeah. Then you brought it to podcasts. Yeah. And then back to politics. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a two trick pony. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're like puns in every field. I know. I'll have to think of like the next thing I want to bring genius to. But also, I don't want to like stretch it out too much. You know, it's like do a couple things really well. But if like, <laughs> you know, if you spread it out too much, then you just start being bad at all of them. You know, <laughs> do you remember any of your other good podcast namings? Oh, man. I don't know if I like named any others. I definitely thought of lots of names and had lots of ideas for other podcasts, but like they mostly just stayed in my head. Like this is your moment. Let's hear them. I feel like every friend that I've had that I've ever had like an interesting conversation with, like beginning like five or six years ago, I was like, oh, we should start a podcast because we're hilarious. Like <laughs> we could call it like Tori and Susan talk about the news or whatever. <laughs> but like, I don't think any of those were very good. I think it was just like, we think we're so funny and the masses would want to hear this conversation. I love, <laughs> I love, which also is like, you know, low-key narcissistic. So. I was just about to say, <laughs> I, I love, love that I'm saying and recording things. So good I love this era of narcissism. <laughs> like it's not even like the, the self, Instagram, like, look what a great influencer I am. It's like, people would find me (laughs) hilarious. I know. I hate myself. We can't deprive the world of this. Oh, I mean, that's literally what this podcast is right now. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I know. I feel like, I feel like this, like, people will either find this very, like, endearing, like, oh, how cute, or be like, wow, (laughs) what a tool. So I guess we'll see. <laughs> They're going to be like, did these two girls used to talk about politics? Like, did they talk about policy? We don't even believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, you know, whenever you're talking to friends and, like, you guys get going and, like, a little groove and you're bantering and, like, one joke leads to another and, like, you're laughing and then all of a sudden just like, wow, that was, like, a killer 10-minute segment. <laughs> You know, <laughs> we could even put an ad break in here. It was so good. I know. I know. And now moving on to these pants. <laughs> now these pants. They're so comfortable. I wear them all the time. Wait, you can get this 10% discount code. That really was the sponsor that you had on your podcast. It was. Was yeah. Pants. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was circling back, which I still wear beta brand. <laughs> sponsor me again. I love that. <laughs> okay, once a sponsor, always a sponsor. <laughs> you're, in, you're in so deep. You're good. They got you for life. I know. Okay. So Tori, when I had the idea of doing this when I was coming down to DC in person to have an episode with you on. Yeah. It is because you were one of the people that I've known the longest in politics. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. And you were a wee baby politico. An infant. An infant politico when we met. Because you were the head of the college Democrats. Yeah, as an infant. As an infant. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I was the head of the Young Democrats of America. Yeah. And then... The organizations were at war, of course, naturally. Why would not anything in the Democratic Party not be at war internally? And then you became the head of the youth engagement at the convention. That's right, yeah. So our power dynamic, like you really had the upper hand very quickly. Oh, wow. I never thought of it like that. Oh, I definitely did. Oh, did you really? Oh, Oh, my God. I was like, she's in college, but now (laughs) she holds all of my fate. And you really handled that power beautifully. Oh, thank you so much. I think I was like, I don't know that I fully knew that I had it all. So that probably helped (laughs) (laughs) when you don't know how much power you're wielding. But yeah, I mean, I was like a baby. I mean, like 20, but in my mind, a baby. You handled yourself very professionally. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I was like, that was one of my first like real jobs, that convention job. And because before I had just been doing like student organizing and I was in college. And so I feel like every time I like went to that job, I was like, oh, God, they're going to realize that I'm a child and they're not going to let me have this job anymore. So I was always on like my best foot forward. 
Well, I remember you, I remember sitting in a meeting with you, maybe it was at the convention, but it was like a tense meeting and you were running it and you handled the pressure very well. Oh, wow. You handled an awkward conversation. Shout out to 20 year old Tori. <laughs> we love her. We love her. <laughs> so then after that, so after the convention, I actually don't know what you did after that, but then a few years, like a few jobs into yeah. it. I was able to recruit you over to work on my team. Yeah, yeah, at Center for American Progress, yeah. But, which was a real highlight for which me. Which was only like three years later, which it feel that feels like it was like 10 years later, but it wasn't that long after that. Well, you were already, I remember when you came over, you were on a list of rising stars in Washington because I was like, <laughs> oh, did you guys see the, the get who's coming to my team? <laughs> She's a rising star. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. <laughs> you made a real impression in those three years. Yeah, yeah, that was a, a a meteoric rise for baby Tori. She became like a toddler and then like a rising star and then just like a regular adult, like everybody else. Like, so there's like that window where if like you're just young enough, everyone's like, oh my God, it's so cool to have like young people in the room. Like what a wonder kid. And then you like reach like 25 or 26 and you're like, okay, you're just like everybody else. <laughs> Like, wow, go do your job. It's nothing special. Now it's time to do your job. Yeah, yeah, nothing special. So I, I appreciated the years where I was special. Well, I remember feeling like I could not believe that I had, I was so happy that I had recruited you over. Because I was like, I get to hang out with Tori every day. Oh, that's so funny. And that era lasted less long than I would have liked it to of us actually working together. I know. Do you remember that conversation? Yeah, yeah. That Hillary Clinton sucked me away. You did it tactfully, but you came to me and you said, (laughs) there's only one job that I would leave this job for. Yeah. And they just offered it to me. I know. I know. I remember that. Like, I remember like being in the office, having that conversation. Cause like, I remember going into those interviews one, I'm obviously obsessed with Hillary Clinton and always had been, but I was like, Oh, there's really like only like a couple jobs that would make sense for me to leave for. And then I get on the phone. They offered me that exact job. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> look at God. <laughs> look at God. Who am I to argue with this? Yeah. Plan? Yeah. feels like destiny. <laughs> and it was also just like, I feel like Emily won't be mad at me for going to try to elect the first female president. You know, that was like, you, you know, you, you're, you make a good argument. You know, it was just like for anyone in anyone, but Hillary Clinton, it, it might've been a problem, but it's just like, okay, well, you know, first female <laughs> president. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> well, I can't remember how much I communicated to you about this at the time. Cause I was so insecure about it, but I had just gotten married and immediately gotten pregnant. So I knew that I wasn't going to be able to go work on the campaign, even though that had been my dream. Yeah. But I knew it wasn't going to be an option for me. Yeah. And you got basically the best job I could have imagined. Like I hadn't necessarily put myself out there, but also nobody had called me for it. So I was happy for you, but also jealous that you were one, offered the job and two, able to take it. Yeah, well, I won. I never even knew that you were jealous. I, you know, it was really, I was going to represent us both. It was like us as a unit going on. Well, you always, you know, if you can, then I will, you know, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was neat. Why, like, it was so special because my, the first campaign I ever worked on was Hillary Clinton's in 2008. And that was like the first time I ever got involved in politics. So there was like this like sentimental, like full circle moment about it. It's like, oh, I like started as an intern in 2008 and now I'm going to go be deputy women vote director in headquarters. <laughs> it was really cute. Yeah. Me and my grandmother talked about it a lot. <laughs> oh, that's super cute. I know. I know. <laughs> After I had the baby, I remember I brought him 
to visit you in headquarters and in Brooklyn. Yes. And I took him. Yeah. Cause I'm obsessed with children and babies in particular. Like I love babies and you brought the baby to headquarters, Dean, which is it's crazy to even think about Dean as a baby now. But I remember like you gave him to me and I just kind of like trotted off. And I was thrilled because yeah. I wasn't sure that I was taking care of him correctly. Yeah. yeah. Like, Tori feels more confident <laughs> than I do with this four week old. I think he was literally three to four weeks old. Wow, I was looking back my, yeah, I was looking back through my pictures. Wow. He was like four weeks old. I, I have this like screenshot. I think it was like maybe you took it on Snapchat or something and sent it later. But it was like a screenshot of like me holding Dean in a very far away part of the office. And like the caption was just like, Tori ran away with Dean. <laughs> it was like, there goes Tori with my child or something like that. And so that's the only like photographic evidence I have of him being in the office is me somewhere in a corner, like low key kidnapping him. <laughs> just a very small granulated yeah, dot. Yeah. Representing the presidential campaign well at the time, kidnapping children. <laughs> um, well, that's actually also probably was representing the campaign well, because on that same trip, HRC was in the city and I, in my mom's building. My mom was like, oh, let's bring Dean. What was she thinking? So we actually went over to that event and she was because she loves babies. And yeah. she was like, oh, look at this cute little baby. And then the next day or I think that day was the day that she fell down. Oh. And it turned out that she had the flu. Oh, yes. I remember this now. And we were like, let's never show this photographic Did evidence that she may have given a pre-vaccinated baby the flu. Oh, I was actually thinking about, I was like, did Dean give her the flu? Tori! Oh, no. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. That's not the story. No, that's no, 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 not the story. <laughs> but I do feel like that was the beginning. Like, I've talked about this a lot, especially in this podcast. But, like, that was kind of, like, the beginning of the end of my downward trajectory of my political career. Like, of all the things that I thought I was working towards. Like, yeah. You and I both know, like, living and working in this political world, that, like, yeah. you live in a two-year cycle, a congressional cycle, and you live in a four-year cycle, a yeah. presidential cycle. So, like... Yeah. Every job you take, you're like thinking about how long am I going to be in it before I can get back on a campaign? Because yeah. that's what really drives me. And how am I going to be positioned for it? And like, what am I lacking that I could then build myself into potentially for the next job? And like, that yeah. was the beginning of the end for me that like, I couldn't be in the mix. I couldn't be in the cycle, but you have done it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when you think about it, like the sector is like so brutal, especially, you know, I think also being in a city like Washington, D.C., I mean, the comparison cycle, you just can't escape it. Like, what do you mean the comparison cycle? Like, I, you know, because so many people who I think enter political careers, whether it's like in advocacy or campaigns, it's like you said, it's like, it's just a, a constant, you know, seemingly ladder to different things or like a jungle gem, always like switching jobs or like having that cyclical nature. And I think it's really hard to like be in such a like a condensed ecosystem like DC where everyone has jobs like that. Like your social circle is probably people who also have jobs like that. And I just feel like it's impossible to like not compare your journey with your friends or like coworkers or like anyone that you meet. And I think that's just, it's really hard. And I think especially if you're making a pivot or like a transition out of that into like a different chapter or a different era, 
I think it's really hard to make that transition, like while you're still like in the minutia of like a city where people are so obsessive about stuff like that. I totally agree with you. I mean, I was at the White House yesterday for this Women's History Month reception, and it was so interesting because there were obviously a lot of people that I know who are in and out of the administration and some that I don't know. And as friends were introducing me to people who were in the admin who I didn't know, they definitely started like a little bit of distance. And like, and I don't know you, like, who are you? And then the way that I would validate myself, I was like, oh, I was a cat for a long time. And they were like, oh, great. Or like, they're like, maybe I recognize you. And I was like, oh, probably from cable news. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good (laughs) to see you again. But it was so funny. Like the demeanor changed. And I saw, and I was talking to one person who like, I didn't know that well, but since I saw her, I went over yeah. and said hello, as I generally do. Yeah. And her demeanor towards me, like, clearly she gets, she's like a very high position in the White House. And like, she clearly gets hit up all the time for things. Mm-hmm. So the first, like, 45 seconds of our discussion were very different than the following minutes. Like, she at first, she was like very guarded, yeah. even though she recognized me and knew me. Yeah. And then once she realized that I didn't want anything from her, and I just wanted to like, Kibitz. Yeah. And like, catch up. Yeah, yeah. She was like, oh, I forgot how to do this. Oh, nice. This isn't a transaction. I can like be normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is, that is, I think, like one of the worst parts about this city. It's just like, it is so transactional. And you can tell like when you're like out at a party or like networking or like, you can tell immediately like the vibe from someone when they're like assessing like what value can I gain from you? What can you offer me as like a person in your job or whatever? And it is, yeah, it's a little soul sucking sometimes. <laughs> and it's like, it's hard to also, I think like maintain like some authenticity yourself. Cause like you like rolled into that event, like wanting to have a good time, like excited to be there. And like, you know, when you interact with so many people that like are clearly like making like a calculation you know, like it's, it's like a kills the vibe a little bit, you know, and especially like when you're super young, like you might not be as confident to like keep your vibe up when you get that from somebody. Yeah. When it like starts out that way. Yeah. It's just like, you're at the point where like, you've got a great life and like, you have all this stuff going on and you have confidence and you know, a bad interaction like that with someone is like, not going to like ruin your day. Right. But like, if you would have had that conversation, like maybe when you're like 22, like probably would have responded different. Right. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it was so funny. Alison Zellman called me yesterday when I was talking to somebody who I didn't know, like I was talking to Zellman and this other woman who had worked with her before came over. So I was just chatting with her and I was like oh do you live in Washington and Zelma looked at me and she was like you speak differently now yeah. that you don't live here she was like yeah. nobody would say Washington yeah like people would say like do you live that's here true. in that's DC true. and I was yeah, like yeah, yeah that's right but like now that I'm outside DC yeah. doesn't mean anything yeah I remember like last year I took a little bit of a break as you know I like went away for like three months in between like two jobs and Whenever I was thinking about like where I wanted to take my break, like I was like, oh, I could just have a staycation in D.C. or like maybe I'll go to New York or California. And finally, I was like, no, I have to like physically leave the country because like I need to be like away from the D.C. culture and kind of the grind of it all. And I will say like as soon as like the plane lifted off, taking me from D.C. to Europe, my shoulders like it was the best anti-anxiety medication I've ever taken. (laughs) ever just leave it yeah yeah it's like the tension just like relaxed from my shoulders and I tell people now that you know I was I was talking I talked to my partner about this a lot like whenever I get anxious or stressed about stuff I'm like I don't think I'll ever fully be able to relax living in Washington DC yeah like there's just like so much going on like it's it's hard to break out of that cycle 
no matter how like how confident and kind of like self-fulfilled, like how much purpose you have and like how driven you are, it's like, you know, one day I'm just like move to a farm and I'll be healed. Or or New York, (laughs) a certain place in Sag Harbor. Uh, We welcome you. (laughs) Um, I I mean, I, there are so many good parts about living here. Like there's lots of opportunities. There's always stuff to do. And like for all the, the people, like the bad people, there are also a lot of great people that, that, you know, are so smart They're They are so like mission driven and it is neat to like be immersed in that, but like there's a trade-off, right? It's like good and bad. So, yeah. I mean, I don't say like, why do you say it in a judgmental way? Yeah. Like, you know, I've said to you a hundred times, like, yeah. I'm so jealous that I can't still be in it. Like I miss it. Yeah. I miss the pace. I mean, and the impact. I miss that. Like, we can actually change a lot of lives when we change and we have good laws. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's all fun. But I mean, like, what you're doing is so cool. Like, I would almost like turn it around opposite. Like, I feel like you are in this place where like you're like meeting all of these different people. You're having all of these really interesting conversations and all these interesting gatherings, and like also like being able to flex all this creative muscle that actually it feels really difficult to do in politics. Is like a lot of people work in a box here and it can get a little formulaic and I don't know it's just like you're doing stuff that's still like mission driven and fulfilling and meaningful with just like a different lens and like with all these different people and I don't know I feel like the older I get the more I'm appreciative of past chapters of my career and also like get a little bit closer to like feeling good about while the next chapter could look so different like your chapter looks so different than what it looks like here but it also feels just as exciting and like fulfilling in like a different way. And I don't know, it's like, it's cool to think about it. It's like, wow, my life might not always look like this, but like there actually are really exciting ways that it could look like to not be scared of those differences, right? They could be really cool. But I, like you're a person I look at that has like done that pivot really well. And I feel like it makes people who haven't like gotten to a pivot like that or gotten to like writing their next chapter it like gives a little hope, you know, it's like, oh, wow, like, well, she did it. And it's like, looks really cool. And like, maybe it's better than what I'm doing now. You know, there so. definitely is a very formulaic sense of what yeah. success is yeah. in Washington. Like yeah, it's what you described is. before. Like it's climbing the ladder. It's running an organization. Like it's yeah. like a very clear formula around what success is. I mean, it is yeah. true. Like I got to interview the vice president. I wouldn't have gotten to do that if I was still yeah. here. I mean, even yesterday at the White House reception, they had pointed to the crowd. I think it was... I think it was the vice president who said it. And it's like, all these women here who've changed the world and hit the atmosphere, or like something like that. <laughs> but made it very clear that one of the women in the crowd was an astronaut. Oh, cool. Yeah. And the- okay, that makes more sense. Like, hemisphere. <laughs> it's a weird turn of phrase. So metaphorical. Yeah, and yeah. I pointed to her and I recognized the, she had like a very specific dress on. So I found her in the reception yeah. and I was like, are you an astronaut? Yeah. And she's like, well, yes, I am. And I had something to ask her. I was like, can I interview you? Yeah. So I got her card and now I'm going to follow up and interview like, that's her. Really cool. that's I don't really know if she's cool. pivoted or not, but it's feel definitely worth an interview. But like before P- I would have had planets. <laughs> like there it is. Pivoted out of one atmospheric like situation to the next. The you know? literal earth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That is, that's intense. But that was cool. Like I had, some, I mean, it is, it is more creative. Like I yeah. had something to ask her, like yeah. I had something to connect with her on. Yeah. And 
I think sometimes I probe people in an unappealing way in social settings that like maybe ask too many questions. And now it's an appropriate setting to ask too many personal questions. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. I mean, yeah, I guess like having a podcast and an interview set up like is a natural way to be very direct. (laughs) Yeah. Versus like, you know, seeing someone at a party and being like, are you an astronaut? Tell me the 12 steps that got you there. Yeah, I'd love to know. Yeah. What did you major in in college? Yeah, yeah. Tell me about your parents. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like an, an interview setting does feel like natural for that, right? <laughs> and someone might prep for those types of questions beforehand. Um, <laughs> but I didn't want to go into that cocktail astronaut conversation cold. I was like, yeah. I'm unprepared for this moment. I have a lot of questions, but I don't necessarily know what they are. That's so funny. I feel like sometimes like I'll be at, like, I feel like I'm kind of similar. I'll be like at a happy hour or something. I have this like happy hour that I do with my friends like every Tuesday. And sometimes I'll just be like, we, we like talk about work and like all this stuff. I'm like, why don't we just like switch it up? Like, tell me about your trauma. <laughs> You know, and like, I feel like the girls that regularly go are just like, yeah, yeah, let's like, let's, okay, we've got a list of traumas. Let's just like talk through them. We've got like, you know, drinks and whatnot. But every now and then we'll have like a a guest, right? That doesn't always come. And it's like, okay, like, all right. So what is your trauma person that just like came here? And she's like, oh, I'm not too comfortable. I'm like, is this a cocktail party? Yeah, yeah. Let's like keep the vibes light. I'm like, oh, this is light. Like this is, you know, let's just, let's, let's just make this deeper than just your normal interaction. Honestly, that makes you so incredibly well prepared to have young children and meet friends through that because that's basically what the conversations are like. And there's no conversation transitions because at any moment like anyone could be pulling you yelling on you pulling at you so you're like let's just have half a conversation here about why my perspective has led me to overly analyze this part of my child and beat myself up about it yeah and let's go right into what did we make them for like pack them for lunch yeah like those transitions become very fast yeah we have half a conversation on each okay that makes me feel good that makes me feel yeah I like to be prepared for anything yeah (laughs) it's like a piece you didn't know you were preparing for yeah but does the fact that we have gone through all of these phases in tandem like somewhat together like in tandem but I am like the, ch- the having children step ahead. Yeah. And then I three, 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 too many. Quite far ahead. Quite, yeah. yeah. And then I couldn't keep up like the very clear shared political goal that we had both had in our careers. Does it scare you or how much does it scare you? I mean, I'll be honest. I actually feel like what, and I'm not even saying this to like puff you up or whatever, but I do feel like watching you do the next thing has made me less scared. Like, I feel like there was a time in my life where I, it made me very nervous to think about not being in this, right? Like, not being, like, in D.C., in the grind, like, constantly hustling for, like, the next big thing. And I do feel like as I've gotten older and, I, like, I've watched other people make transitions that feel super exciting and, like, feel like, wow, that that looks really cool. I feel like I've gotten into this mindset of just, like, you should just think about, like, the next things in your life is, like, if something feels exciting and feels like you're growing, like you should do it. And like, if it doesn't feel exciting or if it doesn't feel like you're growing, like you should not do it. And also like never do anything that doesn't make you happy. And that has been like almost, it feels really simple, but it's actually been like a really nice North star over the past few years. Cause like it has gotten me a little bit away from like, am I doing, am I taking like a career trajectory because it makes me happy and it feels exciting and it feels like I'm growing Or that like there's a formula in my mind that feels like I need to hit. 
And like, it's actually been really interesting to like reconcile those two things. Is this just a ladder that I'm climbing like kind of mindlessly? Or is this something that actually is fulfilling? And, you know, I think that has been kind of an interesting like realization over the last few years, but it is helpful to see other people like successfully pivot and like write new chapters that are equally fulfilling and equally interesting. And to know that like you can do something different and like not only be okay, but actually maybe even be happier than you were before. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I could only get to it by having a rock bottom. So yeah, I get, I don't hope that for you. Yeah. Do you feel like, where was your rock bottom? (laughs) It was during the lockdown and like the, and sort of up until the presidential, like in 2020. Interesting. Because I had had this idea going into 2020 that I was going to have the third baby in February. Mm-hmm. I knew mm-hmm. what maternity leave looked like. And I was going to consult. I was going to have find position myself to either consult directly for the presidential yeah. or something around it. Yeah. And that was going to be the way that I stayed involved in politics. And I was going to keep myself relevant so that I could be in the mix for, yeah. you know, whatever the next ladder was. Yeah. And I just couldn't do it. Like I, all of that was predicated on the idea that I would have childcare and yeah. infrastructure around me. And because it all disappeared, I couldn't even keep my head on. Like I was breastfeeding and my milk dried up from stress. Yeah. Like it was, it just, it all, like everything fell apart. And I kept being like, okay, I'll, I'll just do, you know, like I'll bandaid this one last thing with this. I'll bandaid this with thing. And then I realized there was no bandaiding left. It was all gone. And then I finally got one serious GOTV end of the election contract and I was executing for the last two weeks of the election. This is, remember, this is pre-vaccine. Oh, yeah. And our nanny, what we had been doing for childcare is that our nanny had been coming to stay with us for like that 14 days on and off. And as she had been with us, because that was what people thought was the length that you could yeah. stay with someone. So as she'd been with us for four days, then she started to feel a little sick, got a COVID test. She had COVID. She went home, but she had already been with us for four days. So we were in like full yeah. lockdown quarantine with all three kids couldn't see another person. And like that last presidential contract disappeared. Yeah. Like I couldn't do it. It was just, it was like, all right, well, this is the end. Yeah. And actually, you know what I did at that point is I spent all of my time going around pitching women's magazines that I had had some, some I had had a connection to, some I had none saying, Hey, the election's not going to be decided on election day. And you guys are going to need somebody to be able to explain to your listeners what's going to happen or your readers, what's going to happen. I think you should bring me on. Yeah. And nobody wanted to bring me on. And even Marie Claire, but it at least opened the door for me to have a conversation with them. So when I had the non-political idea to do, she pivots. Yeah we had already had some dialogue and been able to go back. Sure. But my dream had been to decipher this for a women's magazine and nobody wanted to bring me on for it. So I was like, well, I came up with the perfect compromise and nobody wants it. Yeah. Oh my (laughs) God. That sounds awful. How do you think you came out of it? As you were like in the rock bottom, like when is the time that you felt like you started to see light at the end of it? Um, I mean, I still struggle. Yeah. Because I still struggle with my physical limitations. Yeah. Like my bandwidth and energy is just literally sucked by my children. Yeah. I'm pretty sure right now my whole body is itchy with a recurring rosacea virus that I have. Oh, Jesus. Which is also inside my bandwidth. (laughs) So I still struggle with that. But you You don't look itchy at all. Oh, it feels a little itchy. in Yeah, yeah. No, like if I would have just looked at you, I wouldn't even thought, I wouldn't even thought that you were going to itch somewhere. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. I think I'm getting better at masking it. Um, But I think it started to become real 
Well, I think when Marie Claire said yes. Yeah. I think that was the beginning of it starting to feel real and starting to find a new rhythm. Like the Mm. She Pivots format is very different than what your political playlist had been. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's little validators that come, you know, releasing our first season was a validator, like being in a real studio to be like, oh, you're here for this podcast. Like, interviewing the vice president yeah that felt cool that was a huge validator yeah Yeah. but so I think that I get like pieces of validation that it feels real but like the daily balance with my kids can sometimes feel so chaotic that I feel like I'm not putting enough energy into building building the show and building the community and also not enough into my children yeah so then it's hard to totally feel like yeah I nailed it yeah that's just that's the stuff that scares me about having kids the feeling of like there's never enough time or just not feeling like you can do it all, right? Because like, I mean, I don't feel like I can do it all and I don't even have kids. I have like two dogs and like they don't need anything like kids need. And a garden. And yeah, and a garden, which, you know, like if I like don't water it for a week, like, and it dies, like, I mean, that's different than like, you know, not meeting expectations as a parent. But that That's that's sometimes like the, because I feel like a lot of my people I know with children, like, especially women like really struggle with like that balance. And I don't know that I've ever like talked to someone that's just like, yeah, I absolutely nailed it. <laughs> like I have the perfect formula. I'm going to sell this shit on QVC and like, <laughs> and it's going to be great. Like I've never heard someone say that. It just always feels challenging and like a daily balance. And you know, that you can never like totally take your eye off the ball. Cause like something goes awire and yeah, it just seems really hard, but I don't know. I hope that you figure out the formula before I have kids, you know, so. Do you know what I actually just had a memory of doing? In the four months that I lived in Manhattan, the first live podcast I ever did was interviewing you as a political strategist. Yeah. In front of a live audience. Oh, yeah. Do you remember this? I do remember that. It was like 92nd Street or something like that. I don't remember. Something like that. But it was also right when my son was starting his first preschool program. And I had gone in for the orientation. And they said, where is your photo book? Where are your pictures of your family? that's right. And where is your your box? And I was like, what are you talking about? What the fuck is a box? What the fuck is a box? Yeah. <laughs> and I broke down hysterically crying yeah. in the meeting with the teacher. And I was yeah. like, I am so unprepared for this. And then I went to go meet you and I couldn't stop crying. Yeah. And you said, we're not going to prepare for this interview right yeah. now. Let's go buy supplies. We made box. And we made his we box. Made box. And you made his, <laughs> I like, couldn't stop crying. You made his photo book. Oh, I remember that. That was, God. That was funny. It was a fun little craft. We had a nice little crafty you know, time. We, we love I mean, I craft. couldn't stop hysterically crying, but sure, sure. We made beautiful crafts. Yeah, yeah. Crafts can be emotional. They elicit things, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. But, you know, all's well that ends well. You made the box. We did the interview, and it was great. It was great. <laughs> we had a great episode. Yeah, it was a great episode. It was That was a really fun live event, too. That like, was a fun live event. Yeah. That's a good crowd. That was really fun. I think that might have been, like, my first, like, live podcast, like, interview ever. Me, too. What? I think it was. I don't what? know. I think it was. Maybe. Yeah. Look at us. Look at us. Breaking barriers and doing crafts simultaneously. And now we're recording in a hotel room. Yeah. With and really fancy no, equipment. No tears yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not like, over yet. It's, it's still early in the day. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. What do you feel like you still need to do in politics? 
Oh, interesting. I don't, I don't know that there's anything that like, I like a single thing that I'm just like, Oh, I have to check this box. Right. Like I, I think I definitely felt like that during my twenties. I was like, Oh, I'd really like to manage a campaign. I'd really like to be an executive director of an organization. And like, I've, I've actually gotten to do a lot of those things. And so it's actually, sometimes it feels a little bit weird that like, there's not like that exact title or that exact organization that I'm just like, I have to do this, then I'll feel done. But in, in other ways, it's like kind of freeing because it's like it makes me more open to doing different types of stuff. So I don't know if there's a single thing. I think like what I'm excited about next and want to do next is like something that like feels like really big and socially impactful, you know, whether that's in like partisan politics, whether that's like at a private company or like, I'm kind of interested in like the next layer of like impact, you know, because I think I thought for so long impact just means politics. Yeah. Right. And the world of impact and social impact is like so much bigger than that. So I'm like kind of excited to like see what comes next. So yeah, I don't know if there's a single thing to be so accomplished so young and have done met all of your goals. But but on the other hand, I will say like, you know, something I reflect back on is like when I met some of those goals, I wasn't always like that happy, yeah. you know? And that actually made me like think a little bit differently about having like such a single track minded towards like plan A or plan B. Because a couple of times when I like met those goals, I'm like, wow, I've been working my entire life to get this title at this organization and be in charge of these things. And I remember talking to like some mentors afterwards and be like, I worked so hard to get this. I hate it. <laughs> like, I'm so unhappy. I thought I would really like this and I didn't. And so like, honestly, those like experiences have like helps me be a little bit more open. That's just like, you know, these things that you think you want for so long, like sometimes they're a little bit different than you think they might be. And so having an open mind, like hopefully will serve me well in the future. <laughs> the nightmare of managing Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Tori Taylor, political strategist, wonderkin extraordinaire. Thank you for joining us. Older wonderkin now. <laughs> Thank you for having me. What a treat. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this Candid Convo episode of She Pivots. Check back in weekly for more conversations with inspiring women. To learn more about our guests, follow us on Instagram at She Pivots the Podcast. Leave a rating and comment if you enjoyed this episode to help others learn about it. A special thank you to our partner, Marie Claire, and the team that made this episode possible. Talk to you next week. She Pivots is hosted by me, Emily Tish Sussman, produced by Emily Edda Voloshik, with sound editing and mixing from Nina Pollock, and research and planning from Christine Dickison and Hannah Cousins. I endorse She Pivots. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.